Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Jeremy Fisk, joined by Lee Carlo and Chapin Hemingway. So the normal three. Um, and this week we have we're we're doing our two uh, thousands retrospective. Is that what we're calling it, or best of two thousands, or and by two thousands I mean the year two thousands, not the decade. We did nineteen ninety nine. We have moved on to two thousands. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be uh, reviewing High Fidelity. They're called today. the twentieth anniversary um, shows. Uh, yeah, uh, as a, yeah, that makes sense. That's a better better way to put it. Um, and then we are gonna do a our top five movies we evaluate people by. My store is called Championship Vinyl. Turn it off! Won't go any louder. I can't fire them. I hired these guys for three days a week, and they just started showing up every day. That was four years ago. Rob Gordon has a successful business and a dedicated following. I used to go to the double door to hear you spin. You were unbelievable. But when it comes to dating... Hi. Hi. This is Penny Hardwood. Hi, Caroline. He's still searching for the right woman. What's your name? Laura! Now his search may have ended. She does this thing in bed when she can't get to sleep. She kind of half moans and then rubs her feet together an equal number of times. <laughs> but his problems just started. And I like you with Laura. I don't think much of this Ian guy. All right, so to kick it off with our uh, 20th anniversary shows for the year 2000, we're going to do uh, High Fidelity starring John Cusack. Um, just to sort of get us going on this, uh, we have... What, are, what Lee, what are some of the movies that we're going to be discussing? I know Gladiator's in there. Almost Famous is in there. Um, yeah, what, let what me a- pull it up. Um, <laughs> Requiem for a Dream, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Castaway, Memento, American Psycho, uh, Traffic, Aaron Brockovich, maybe some second-tier ones, Unbreakable, Best in Show, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Battle Royale, Meet the Parents. Maybe. You know, so long yeah, list. So- Basically, we looked at this uh, in comparison to 1999, which is generally considered one of the best years in film history, and saw this list, and we're like, we these are some of our favorite movies as well, including High Fidelity. And sometimes I personally have an issue with uh, evaluating movies that are so important and nostalgic to me personally. It's hard to take off or, or, or take that part of away from myself and sort of sit down and try to watch a movie without my own history or baggage included into it. And there's no movie probably that is more intertwined with my own history and my own baggage as High Fidelity is. Um, So I guess my question, my question to you guys is uh, like John Cusack, do you look back on this, your relationship with this movie and wonder what what went wrong or are you still very satisfied with that relationship i think what's interesting is my relationship with high fidelity uh i doesn't really stem at all from personal experiences i mean i feel like i'm very lucky to have met the woman i'm now married to when i was 21 years old and i i didn't really have to deal a lot with you know 
adulthood dating and just kind of that aspect of life that a lot of people go through and that this movie sort of breaks down. So I liked this movie for other reasons. I liked this for the comedy. I liked this for the top five lists. I liked this for the self-awareness. And I think going through this movie, going back to this movie, I was interested in the other aspects and how I felt about those and where those kind of stood. And without giving too much away, I think it's actually really interesting how those impacted me watching this movie, you know, in terms of, you know, kind of what you were saying, like, does this movie have a connection to me? And since it, it doesn't on those, like, you know, aspects like breaking up with a longtime girlfriend and trying to cope with that, that the that type of thing didn't really resonate with me all that much this time around or this time uh, around and i'm sorry well like i said the parts i remembered so fondly about this movie were not that because those weren't the things that connected with me so i was hoping that this movie would offer up something more like in those aspects that you know weren't that i wasn't bringing to it and i felt like they they didn't i felt like this movie didn't give me much in terms of you know uh, a breakup story I guess to me I was just connected to the same things I always do which is like I said the the comedy the top five lists the self awareness all those things I think are still good about this movie but I didn't find that it brought a whole lot more and I think that's because I don't have that connection but you don't you don't feel in general that it's not just like a a, a, a romantic comedy f- from the guy's perspective that is sort of unique at the time and maybe even today. So I think it's, I think what's great about this movie and what I remembered is that it does take a pretty creative approach on a breakup story or a romantic comedy. It does it from the guy's perspective and it is very self-aware, but I think what I was a little bummed about was that it, it didn't find a lot of creative ways to handle some other aspects of this movie. I don't want to get too much into my thoughts until we hear from Chapin, but, um, I think that you're right. It does it does do something unique here with the way it tells the story, but I think parts of that story are a little surface level. Ch- Chapin? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. So can you just t- ask me the question once again, one more time? So when you look back on this relationship with this movie with High Fidelity, do you look back on it fondly basically or are you trying to reevaluate what you liked about it like no. John Cusack's character did um, I, I look back fondly I think what I always took away from this movie which I still do to some extent um, it was always about my relationship with myself like I feel like I learned a lot about being a man and being a romantic person in from the male perspective um, in a relationship from this movie, I learned a lot of that through the comedy, through the sort of selfishness of uh, of um, John Cusack's character, who you eventually, you know, um, he starts to see, have those same epiphanies. You know, he starts to see those things as well. Um, and through that, you start to realize, you know, some of the trappings of being a heterosexual male in um, in a relationship and sort of the immaturity that can often come in those situations. And so I think that that stuff is more perennial than say 
relating to it from I don't know a relationship you had in college or um, you know like he part of the joy of this movie is uh, seeing the way he breaks down his top five and the that top five b- b- breakups come at a bunch of different times I mean I think you know looking back at this film that feels very written you know like the first breakup being mm-hmm. uh you know one that he has with his seventh grade girlfriend i don't know you know maybe maybe he's only yeah, got six hours yeah. yeah maybe he's only got five relationships to that he broke up from which you know would be beating me <laughs> but uh you know like I, I i'm just i'm sort of joking but my, my point is that i i think that um you know, I the more profound things for me of this film and and what I think of ro- romantic comedies when they can be at their most powerful are sort of teaching you life lessons about what it's like to be in a relationship. Yeah. Okay. So, there. Do you, do you guys feel like? What do you feel like towards his character? Do you kind? Do you totally sympathize with him, or you're like uh, he's also a bit of an asshole, or both? Which is the both is where I lean towards, because yeah, it's it's both. But what I struggle with in this movie is that beyond and look, I I still really like this movie. I I, I feel like a lot of what I'm going to say is going to make it sound like I'm much more critical of this movie than I actually am. But what I struggled with was that for a movie that spends like two thirds of its time explaining things directly to the camera. I found that there was kind of an ex- an astonishingly noticeable amount of exposition during the like non-confessional scenes. Hmm. And that weakened the movie to a certain extent and it weakened the character development and the character arc of Rob because I felt like every time it was time for us to know that he learned something through either whether it was through a scene that we watched or through a revelation that he got from an ex-girlfriend, it all got explained to us. And, and sometimes that was in the confessional talking to the camera. Other times it was just in the context of the scene. Laura just explaining all of his faults as a boyfriend and as a person to him. And I, and I think that that really kind of negatively impacted a, a deeper relationship you could have with Rob. I do think that you sympathize with him and think he's kind of an asshole at the same time. That's there. That's but that's on the surface that's very clear i mean there's there's like uh, such hilarious lines in this movie like when the i think it's the second girlfriend that he has and he realizes that he broke up with her he broke her heart i'm off the hook i should have done this years ago like he's <laughs> but an that's asshole also, but it's so funny that's such a credit to john cusack too it like is. another uh, like other another person in that role it would have maybe just right. gone totally towards the asshole but John Cusack's just so likable in this and so well, he's understandable he's also played the broken hearted right. character so and many times and they referenced that so much with like yeah. all his scenes in the rain and like it, it, yes. the film God, does have so that good. sort of postmodern and that's the self awareness which I yeah. love Oh, and, it's, and he plays it that way. Like, even his flashback scenes, like when he was dating the girl after he <laughs> broke up, he just kind of, like, would kick in the ground and be like, oh, I hate her. Oh, he just... The, yeah, and he doesn't look so at all like a that fucking, Well, none of them all. look like uh, high schoolers or college-age students, but that's beside the point. But Right, and it, those are the things I love, And but but do you guys agree that, like, the anything deeper than this movie is is a little lost because it's... It just kind of uh, comes right out. Well, for me, it's not because I like to me like 
I t- in my early 20s, mid 20s, like I totally related to this character. And I think there's a lot of truth in what this character is. Um, you know, so I don't think like saying that there's not not something deeper there. It, that's not necessarily true because I, I, I totally found that to be true. And I totally understood. So what did everything. you relate to them? Like, well, what, like, and that's what I think is interesting, because I think the relationship you have with this movie, the relatability of the connection can make a big difference here. Yeah, well, that's what I that's kind of what I was alluding to right. in my intro is that is it my nostalgia for this movie or is it is, is this movie really that great? And I think I think, you know, it's a little bit of both. Um, I think it is. this movie just stands up on its own for sure. Um but, you know, if you've ever been in those situations where you're insecure and, you know, you can't figure out fault and you can't, you know, like you become a little bit selfish and you, um, you know, try to find reasons and, and like it's all there um, with this movie. And like, honestly, this movie has one of the lines that like may have changed my life back in the day. Um it's like when he was after the funeral, he's like sitting on a bench and he, he starts talking about how he was never really committed to Laura. And then he had like one foot out of the door and that that's suicide by tiny increments. And yeah. I've always thought about that. And it's it's, you know, and, and the fact that this movie can pay that off and like be that impactful um says a lot about this film and how good it is uh you know and then also on top of it you got the whole aspect of the music uh and the fantasies and does i i don't know yeah, yeah go i think that there's i think that's a credit to this movie's authenticity i think it's a credit to the script have either of you guys read the book i feel like i might have but no i, I don't think i have i was trying to think i know it's like that. i know it's about like uh it's an english book right it's not sent yeah Chicago. it takes place in england but it's uh, i read it last summer i mean it's basically like a carbon copy i mean it's I, i'm not sure i've ever seen a movie adapted from a book that is that is so seems so verbatim in terms of just the dialogue and how the scenes play out and everything so so credit may be due there some too to kind of you know how authentic this is and especially how you know relatable this can be to someone who's been through something similar uh but as a movie i don't know that it's execute executed all that well because i feel like the the rob and laura plot point the breakup and the uh the get back together and the back and forth it feels very much like a secondary plot to me like the, well, the I... first plot is <clears throat> is him kind of grappling with his own life Unfortunately, which I think fine. a lot of a lot of that has to do with the performance of Laura, which oh, is, see, I I went back and forth. On that. I actually think she's okay. I think no, she's, she's terrible. She's like this is such a good role, and this this could have been anybody else, anybody, and they could have played this better. Like, do you think she's I, I terrible? I think she's terrible think she's in terrible. this, and I think part of it is that she's Swedish, and English isn't even her first language, so she has to overcome that boundary. I, yeah, but <laughs> I I really think she's bad. She takes me out of the movie every time she's on the screen. I think she's really really terrible in this I, movie. I used and to I, think and that, and I, I think there's some scenes that she struggles, but I don't think that that's the problem. I think that it's the way it's written. I think that there's just too much exposition in the scenes between the two. They, they essentially just 
have conversations with each other every time they get together to kind of move the plot forward. And that's all you get from them. And that's really all that that relationship is doing is it's moving us from the beginning of this movie to the end while it, while we learn about Rob and try to see Rob grow as he flashes back through all these old relationships. And so maybe that's exactly the point. But I feel like this movie gets caught somewhere in the middle of trying to put that relationship and that breakup and get back together in the forefront. But it ends up in the background and then somehow it just doesn't really know where it belongs in the context of this story. So it gets a little bogged down by that. And I, and I don't think it's the fault of the performance. I think it's the fault of maybe the direction or, or the writing of the screenplay. Maybe I'm not sure, but that's where I struggle with this movie because and that and that's where I like that's why I liked your opening question because I was thinking that maybe that's because I just can't relate to this aspect where I can relate to the the conversations that that Rob has with himself the top five list the hangout aspect of this movie I can really relate to I mean I I literally I don't I don't do it anymore guys but I would organize my DVDs mm-hmm. autobiographically okay. not <laughs> so, really well no but by director or by yeah by, yeah by year alphabetically like because of this movie we do a top five at the end of the show because of this movie like so there's a ton of things that I I connect to but not the relationship We're movie snobs because yeah. of this movie but not the relationship but luckily I think the relationship is a little bit secondary to his story yeah but I, I don't know if it's supposed like I I that's I think it is, but I don't know that this movie allows it to be completely. It keeps bringing it back too much. I think to the only for the for the plot. I mean, what's great about this is like he talks to the camera. Like there is exposition. They don't ever try to hide it. He right. he overplays different points of his life. Like it's all sort of in his own head. It all comes from there. So it can be sort of taken to an eleven if needed. Uh, to be like that's what's why this movie has some latitude yeah I agree with that I wonder Lee like if your problem with it I mean are are you feeling like what did you always feel this way or was it the this most recent viewing that made you feel that way it's the most recent viewing I I've always really held this movie in a high regard and but that was kind of my answer to Jeremy's question. The things that I always was affectionate for are the same things I'm affectionate for now. And it's, it's the hangout movie that this movie is. It's that, that aspect. I was hoping going into this that maybe I'd get something more out of the Rob Laura relationship, the breakup aspect, the, the, you know, maybe the, the, the more poignant pieces of this, the growth of Rob. Like I, I feel like that just, has never really stuck with me and didn't really jump off the screen at me this time either. And and this is why I like I knew that talking about this I'd be critical of this point and it was going to make it sound like I I like this movie less than I do. I still really enjoy this movie. I laughed I like cackled laughing at this movie last night and I I still enjoy so much of it and it's still a movie that I feel like I can just put on at any time and enjoy. You know, especially watching Rob and Barry and Dick uh, in in the record store, arguing with each other over music they're playing, like it's literally like us talking about movies, and I love that. I love that about this movie. But 
I just felt like it didn't have anything deeper for me. Well, see that, now that's what I, I'm wondering. I about. was okay with that because it's because it, Mike. You know, I think, and I don't want to be, you know, gender. I don't want to gender romantic comedies, but they generally appeal more to women than to men. And I, you know, I think if we ever had a woman's perspective on this podcast, I I would be curious to ask them. You know, people who enjoy those movies more often. You know, is there a deeper connection you ha- you know you have to those films? Because I think generally, I find them kind of um, forgettable and often bad. the The good ones are are fun and 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 endearing, but I never feel like they do anything. But I mean, this this film being the exception, I think for me, like that's why I was so excited to get to this year and talk about High Fidelity because I think it's the one time. I mean, we often talk about how genre can be warped and molded to elicit different responses from from us. But if you think about, uh, I I never think about that in in terms of the romantic comedy. I don't I don't feel like I ever get much out of the out of comedies. And I think this film and Swingers, for example, for us specifically, are films that at least used to. I mean, maybe not for you anymore, Lee. Have you know have a deeper connection? And I think. I would be curious, and maybe that's what we're missing. I mean, in the rare occasions that a, a film doesn't, you know, appeal to straight white men in the in terms of America, uh, in terms of um, romantic comedies, this is the exception, and and thus we have this deeper connection to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just wonder if I mean, and Chapin, you may be the only one here that can answer this because it seems like like Jeremy has a connection with an aspect of this movie that I clearly don't. So he can see a deeper layer to this movie, but you know, where, where do you fall on like the relationship in this? How does the relationship work for you? You mean between him and Laura? Yeah. Like the breakup, the get back together, the kind of the, the, see, can I just like interject real quick? It's like my, my connection is not with his relationship with Laura. It's his, it's his him having a retrospective of his relationships in the past mm-hmm. in relation to that relationship. Okay. Right. Well, so, all right. But that, but that's still, I think that still works in terms of our uh, differing viewpoints, Jeremy, because like I said, like I, I've, I've had one relationship and I married her. So, you know, boring. I don't know. I, yeah. Right. Super boring. <laughs> so, but <laughs> thank God she doesn't listen to these podcasts. Um, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I just I I like I can't connect to it. This and that's that's not saying this movie is good or bad. That's just a piece that may be missing for me in this movie. I connect to the hangout movie here, the buddy comedy aspects of it, which yeah, I, I love think, about it. And I think it. we all do, right? And like I, I, say, in, in the same way that I connect to the into swingers, like it's just that aspect. But I also there's some. You're right. There is something about. Mikey and kind of longing for his ex in that movie that that oddly really works for me and the scene at the end when he hangs up on his ex-girlfriend to to talk to uh Heather Graham like for some reason that really works but the the reminiscing on his you know and longing for you know his his ex-girlfriends in this movie just doesn't quite connect to me the same way sure okay well what I will say is that this and I think it speaks to the power of the film and the power of movies in general is that this this came out we always keep forgetting when we this came out definitively when I was in high school and I think over time um, 
you know, like both obviously made me reflect on relationships I, I was having at the time, but also like I think other women who I was close to um, romantically also liked this movie. And so you could share that experience with them as well. And I mean, that's a little different. Like, the, you know, I think the Rob's the point of Rob is that he's got, you know, from college on he's had a series of relationships i mean really that's the ones the ones that really matter um and he's this single guy in chicago who i mean you know maybe we maybe we're living at different times now but rob seems like a rather successful lothario he seems like he's quite the yeah, ladies man i mean he, despite what he says about himself and you know he looks like john cusack that doesn't hurt at all um <laughs> and you know like that that wasn't i think that is a distinctly different experience like the relationships you have after college when you're you know trying to figure out who you are and you know it, you're not in a situation where you're you know naturally seeing girls or women every day like in high school and college it's a it's a different scene and like you know bars and etc and you know like you lee that wasn't a particularly <laughs> fruitful time in my romantic <laughs> time period and so I, I i can relate to you in that sense as well that like i didn't have a, a ton of experience like you know meeting women at bars etc and so but i do think that there's something universal about about what's going on here and that even when i was uh, 15 when this movie came out it was still informative to me as a as a burgeoning <laughs> romantic young man well yeah because it I mean we sort of we sort of uh, acted as if those you know we acted as if it was those scenes were very written but I mean you do you look at that scene of his first girlfriend in the seventh grade that lasted six hours a, a, an hour every day for six days <laughs> after school like and then you know, talking about the the line where he says like he kept trying to trying to uh, feel his girlfriend up, and she kept rejecting him. So he tried to go uh, down her pants. It's like asking for five dollars, getting rejected, and asking for five thousand instead. Like that's we, fifty grand. The, yeah, that's we can relate to those. I, I guess hormonal aspects that he's going through. Like I think there's there's different generations of things that are portrayed in this movie that we can relate to, which is what sort of makes it timeless in a way uh and so again that's a that's a real positive of this movie and then and then Catherine zeta jones character is like such a well-written cliche like such a well-written right. example well, of like I the type even... of person that you would meet and i think those i wouldn't even call her a cliche great. though she's like the she's like an like ideal an yeah she's like an ideal that well she's of, a cliche something... as a person like charlie is right. a cliche yeah. yeah, but he, but even like, yeah, an ideal or an archetype of a person that well, you'd meet, like, like the, she represents the, that. But, but what's it called? You, the but pixie fairy, whatever. Yeah, woman, pixie and, fairy and, dream girl, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pixie, many pixie, pixie, pixie dream girl. But, but, but the realistic version of it, like, oh wait, that's not something. But see, that's right? not what's that to me. That isn't what is. And I think we're we're kind of drilling down on this. It's not that I know a girl like that. I mean, I probably do. I'm sure we all do. It's it's the realization that someone you idolize and who was yeah, is, who was is so like important in your mind for so long is so full of shit when you meet them yeah. like ten years later. I mean, that is such a. Um, I think it's something that's very hard to, to represent in film, but they do very really well. And part of the way they are able to do that is because he can talk directly to camera. But we understand that, and I think that is such a 
it's such a something we we've all experienced yeah or like the fantasy of when t- tim robbins yeah, comes the best in sex ever yeah <laughs> well that that one like having the best or when he comes into the store and he has all these different fantasies of beating oh, yeah, the yeah. shit yeah. out of him and with the phone with the air condition killing him with the air condition <laughs> yeah like that's all so relatable like that stuff um that yeah uh i I mean, I still, like, leaving watching this movie, I still hold it in such high regard. I mean, this is one of my favorite movies of all times. I don't know when the first time I saw it was. It was definitely early college. Chapin, it might have been. I don't know for sure, but it might have been when we saw the screening of it at Emerson. Do you remember this? No. We saw a screening of it at Emerson, and D.V. DeVincentis, one of the the writers... Oh, this sounds familiar. Yeah, he came he came to the screening and presented High Fidelity to us and it was like a few F stops too low and like the rain scenes, which by the way, I love that every time he's outside it's pouring I rain. Know. Like full I mean, on that's raining. Just, I thought the same thing. From the first that, one too, I'm like, I bet we're gonna see this more. I don't remember, but I bet it's gonna be raining a lot in this movie. Yeah. It was that's just great. It's just a great touch where they just there it's not apologetic about any of that sort of stuff. It just goes for it. Um but yeah, Chapin, we had a screening with one of the writers, uh, even though there's uh I think four writers he's, and he was he, just he's the only writer who doesn't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> Yeah, he was pre- he was presenting it and then was telling us about his next project with Leonardo DiCaprio, which I don't think he ever did another project. Um, he did the Versace American Crime Story. He wrote a couple of those episodes. So yeah, so he still worked. Wow. But that's, so between 2000 and 2012, yeah, he didn't 15 work. 15 years later, he did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that might have been the first time I saw it. Uh, either way, it was it was super impactful when i watched it uh beginning of college and it 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 didn't hit it didn't impact me the same way this time around uh but i i understood like i could look back on it and i could see myself and i could see why i liked it and i could see it worked on a different level for me this time which was just as good almost uh directed by Stephen Frears, who has come up several times in the last couple podcasts randomly, uh, director of Philomena and Florence Foster Jenkins. <laughs> oh, that's right. I saw Philomena or Philomena, I remember we talked about him. So so he's the culprit. <laughs> yeah, he's the one directing all those movies. All those movies we've never heard yeah. of that get nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. I do have to say my, my problems with this movie were casting. I know I already mentioned Laura, but also I think Tim Robbins is just, <laughs> what a weird choice He's there, so too. Funny. He just looks so weird. Yeah. I, I you just, know who I think is really bad in this is Joan Cusack. That's just fine. I think she's bad in this. I've always thought she's bad in this. A while back, Dick Barry and I agreed that what really matters is what you like, not what you are like. Books, records, films, these things matter. Call me shallow. It's the fucking truth. And by this measure, I was having one of the best dates of my life. You love that show? Yes! <laughs> starring, um, starring, uh, who, who's starting the prison? McGowan! Starting McGowan. Our top fives in honor of High Fidelity, and really the reason I think anyone does a top five is because of High Fidelity. Um, is this the gonna, is this the genesis of is the I think it is the genesis of top fives. Okay, and then 
so basically high fidelity is about these guys who own a record store or john Husick owns it but work at a record store and they just think they're better and snobbier and know more about the art form than anyone remind else. you that, of anybody does that sound familiar <laughs> so what what we're gonna do is we're gonna put down those who we think are a little bit lower than us in the in in uh terms of what they feel about certain movies or things in movies or actors or what however we want to do it so it's going to be our top five movies we evaluate people by so so, like thank you in, everybody for listening all these yeah. years we appreciate yeah. it this so if your favorite film is, is mentioned where we apologize See, mine weren't all bad or all good they were bad go back and forth uh yeah you could be good it could be top five things you're like you like that movie oh well we're gonna be best friends now um so chapin you, you came up with this idea and i love it so uh what's your number five okay well i'm gonna steal the one that we i use as an example um, okay, so that's gonna. I'm gonna keep that in my list. Okay, so my number five is the Boondock Saints. Now, this is an interesting film because it came out, I believe, in it was 1999, right? The year before High Fidelity. Is yep. that correct? Okay, yep. so this was kind of a sleeper movie, supposed to take place in Boston, um, but it, just because of the way it was timed, it was like kind of like one of those movies that assholes had on their um wall had posters of on their dorm dome room walls when oh yeah we were in college because it was a big kind of it got a cult following on video <laughs> we're starting this off so well because you know, there's some assholes <laughs> out on there <laughs> i remember brantley used to love it which you know uh i know he's recanted that now thank god but uh uh brantley used to love this movie um, well, I wrote an article uh, when we used to have the website about <laughs> yeah, like how a bad, oh, like why Boondock Saints so bad. And I'm just going to say that that's going to be my number one. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always been that movie where if you say you like it to me, I'm just like, all right, well, I, I don't know how to, I, I don't know how to think it. I, I was reading something today and somebody said it's catnip for douchebags. Yeah, which, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I do like that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, it's been so long since I've seen it, but it's such a stupid, bad movie. And it just it just just revealed the character the character of someone when they said that they liked it. I mean, they're like, they're, uh, they're assassins who use silencers on their v- weapons, but don't seem in- at all interested in keeping a low profile. Um, so, yeah, it's like everything bad about a John Woo movie wrapped in... Um, yeah, well, and, it, we and wouldn't then, have the documentary overnight. So, oh my god, oh that's right. Oh yeah, well, douchebags made it too. Yeah, yeah. It's like people justify it. Oh, this is what I hate most about it. They're like, oh well, they're just doing. They're just killing the bad guys. They're doing they're like, oh my god, just get, like it's some sort of weird sort of. It's almost pornographic in a way for some people, and I hate that. I, I'm I'm glad you guys are just like I was I was struggling with this list, but you guys are just so non non specific with your first picks that I'm not as worried. You're just like Boondock what do you mean Saints. Be, be, you're like Boondock Saints is my number five. Anybody who likes it is an asshole. So <laughs> I said I said you mean we should bag. we should we should tread a little more lightly. No, I'm fine with that. It just makes me feel like my some of my uh, my reasons for some of these aren't aren't quite as uh, as vague. So, All right. What's your number five, Lee? Yeah. Uh, well, so I have a I have a tie, 
um, because I feel like it's a similar audience um, and maybe for different reasons. But my number five are 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 the Big Lebowski and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> so Big Lebowski is a great movie, but it just developed this like stoner cult following that was obnoxious. And so as a result, if you mentioned the Big Lebowski as a movie you like, you were lumped into that crowd. You know, the ones that will go to, you know, bowling and get high at Lebowski fests or whatever. And all that's fine. I'm not judging that. Well, I'm, <laughs> what I'm frustrated by, no, what I'm frustrated <laughs> by is that you can't say you like the Big Lebowski because it's a fucking great Coen Brothers movie. And then Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is something similar where, like, like uh, Hunter S. Thompson just got lionized by this movie by a bunch of potheads. And... <laughs> I just felt like that was additionally obnoxious, and that's not even that good of a movie. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. It's just like it's that movie that you're <clears throat> that you maybe oh yeah, well I read the book too. Uh, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, and no, it, I know a ton about Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, just I, I don't like the movie. I like him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, uh, my number five isn't a movie, but it's anytime somebody points out continuity errors <laughs> yeah I just I'm like alright like really what are we watching this for are we watching it because you saw the glass move three inches on the table or yeah, cigarette was in a cigarette it. in his hand yeah it wasn't exactly like what like just watch the movie enjoy the movie what are you doing like, uh, you're not smart. You're not smart if you point out continuity those, errors. Those all are right? the same, Just let me tell you, you're not smart. Those are the same people that that would tell you that would tell you that the the editor is actually the real genius behind the movie because no, they I, take things I, that you don't even shoot in order and they cut it together and make it a, into a movie. I find the people that point out continuity errors aren't really that into movies. I agree, but right. and the people who say that editors are the real people that make movies are also not that into movies. Uh, all right, so got that off our chest. Chapin, you number Just four. Just four, four more each. <laughs> okay, my number four. Um, this is very cathartic. Is the Empire Strikes Back, and now it's not so much. It's not so much. Have you seen that film, or do you like that film? It's that you recognize that that's so clearly the best Star Wars film. And if you oh, right. don't, and I, you're indignant about it, yeah. And I, I don't. And I think if you if you don't realize that, you're probably not a real cinephile. Um, and I'm kind of a snob about Star Wars, and I think that's clearly the best Star Wars movie. But um, I think if you think any other one is better, you may be, you know, you may be, uh, you may be a little suspect. What's your favorite Star Wars movie, Chapin? Empire. That's what I said. Oh. Well, what do you think is one of the newer ones? <laughs> no, Phantom <I> Menace. Just... <laughs> yeah, Phantom Menace. We know my thoughts on that. <laughs> Are you familiar with Star Wars? Attack of the Clones? <laughs> um, all right. So my number four is Field of Dreams. Uh, what bothers me about this one is it. I feel like there's a... Uh, I, I want to say lean more probably towards like middle-aged, maybe just older than us between that, between like let's say between 40 and 60 year old men that claim that this is the best movie ever made. And I feel like they were just convinced to watch it because it was about baseball. But then when it actually had some deeper themes, they can now 
make the argument that it's more than just the sports movie, and so it's the best movie made of all time. Hmm. Nothing. No I've never, I don't think I've ever seen Field of Dreams. Really? It's fine. Yeah. It's, fine. it's a fine movie. It's Kevin Costner's not very good in it. When is he going to get a lead role again, huh? It's going to be the uh, Houston Astros cheating scandal starring Kevin <laughs> yeah. Costner. He's yeah, just banging in the enough, trash can. There hasn't been enough baseball movies made lately. All right. Uh, my number three, uh, I know I'm going to get so much pushback on this, and I think I'm kind of alone, but I don't think Elf is a great Christmas movie. Oh, I agree. Um, I, I grew up with all the ones that Elf is trying to uh, copy from or, or take from or homage to, however you want to call it, but I just don't think well, it works fine. as you a whole. That's fine. You can have that opinion, but why? How, how do you judge people on it is what's more important. Well, if they like, if they They're like Scrooges. Elf, yeah. Well, no, if they like Elf more, like if that's their staple more than like Muppets Christmas Carol or Christmas Story or something like that, then I I I, got, I have a judgment there. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think it's funny, even though we love Favs, and so that's that leads nicely into my number three, which is Love Actually. Not not a great Christmas movie. I, you guys, God, I, I, it's not heartless. That, I, it's just it, that movie has. If you really think deeply about that movie, it's got a lot of issues. Um, it totally, well, does. it definitely has issues. Yeah, I actually don't mind it, but it definitely has issues, especially that part as everyone talks about with the cue cards. Yeah, Andrew and, Lincoln confessing to Keira Knightley. Yeah, oh, that's uh, not even the half of it. What's the worst part for you, Jay? Well, there's the like. <laughs> Like the fact that he that he like sleeps with that the Portuguese woman isn't there's a lot of problems with that one the he like is spying on the maid or whatever I don't know there's just there's a lot of things that are wrong with that I also I mean it's a good movie I I understand why people like it and I don't mind watching it every Christmas I guess but like it's just not a it's, it's not a substantive movie it's not and it's and and as far as rom coms go it's more just like the it's more the like fever for it that I just find, you know, like you got to tamper down your feelings toward that film a little bit. Okay. All right. Um, all right. My number three, Jeremy, I, I think this might be on your list. Uh, it's Scarface. Oh um, no, that's a, gr- oh, that's a perfect one. How it is, ends. Oh, this I is love just, that. Does people just like either did, didn't watch ends. the end or just like fundamentally misunderstood what this movie no, was the, about? The joke one. is that they lost the second video cassette, and so they learned <laughs> yeah. the lessons. So like it's, the idolization. It's, it's of a Scarface. cautionary tale, not a rags to riches story. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, that's a great one. Yeah, I didn't even think about it, but it would definitely be on my my list. Um. Yeah, I mean it is. It's hilarious how much my my hero is Tony Montana. Yeah. Well, all right. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number two is if your favorite comedy is The Hangover or Step Brothers. And Step Brothers it's not is that, funny. Oh, Hangover. It's that's not good. that. It's not that there's anything wrong with those movies, but if you're like all time favorite comedies are those two movies. I just, I no, but I question your sense of humor. Where people's it is. all-time I, favorite movie is The Hangover. That's the right. problem. Jesus, like, uh, yeah. I mean, it's fine. They have funny moments. They're they're enjoyable to an extent, but I just don't like if that is your barometer for greatest laughs of all time. I have an yeah. issue. It's a little lowbrow. 
lowbrow for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's your number two? That's my number two. Um, I Wait, I was that your three? What was your three, Jeremy? Because I think you skipped one. Uh, elf. Yeah. Oh, right. We already know his one. Well, my number two I don't is, know where we are, because I haven't done my number two yet. My number two is, is The Big Lebowski, which I'm a little embarrassed about because it was on your list, uh, Lee. But I think you, if you don't think The Big Lebowski's funny, I don't, I don't really know if I can, if I have much to talk to you about. And I understand. Do people not, do I, people wait, not think that you, movie's funny? There's plenty of people who don't, who don't like, you don't, don't get it or think it's stupid. Um, yeah. Oh, so your, your beef is people who don't like The Big Lebowski. Correct. Correct. My, my beef is with the people that like it for the wrong reason. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, and I think that's a pretty. I, I understand what you're saying, but um, yeah, I think I think it's a film that, like, you know, pretty, uh, you know, captures my humor pretty well. Um. All right. So my number two, it's it's going to be a little long winded because I'm just going to read this because I ended up in my research for this top five. I ended up on a lot of Reddit threads, um, mm-hmm. and so I have a movie to attach to it. It comes up at the end, but. My next beef is with with this guy, whoever whoever wrote this. Oh, this is great. <laughs> when when people make a big deal about watching foreign slash old slash indie movies and think that somehow makes them better than people who only watch mainstream movies. Don't get me wrong. I love foreign slash old slash indie movies, and it's very important to watch older movies, but I don't really give a shit if somebody doesn't want slash have time to watch everything. If you call yourself a fem- film fan or you want to make film slash work in the industry, then maybe, yes, you should watch older movies and not only watch the giant movies that are released during the summer. Yes, if you want to learn more about film, you absolutely need to watch older movies. But you have to remember not everybody really wants to learn about it, and that's fine, though they are missing out. Also, remember that a movie not being American doesn't automatically make it good. I'm European, and I think independent American movies right now are are way more exciting than anything coming from here. Just don't be a dick. Like what you like and don't give a shit what other people watch slash don't watch. I fucking love the Jackass movies and think they're genius. I almost died laughing during the... (laughs) During the... (laughs) I can't even finish this. I almost died laughing during the... (laughs) Come on. Uh, Compose yourself, Lee. Get it together. Jesus Christ. I almost died laughing during the poop catapult stunt in Jackass 3. Well, I mean, you can't even say it without laughing. I mean, yeah, it's pretty... But that's this guy's argument for mainstream movies. <laughs> it's poop catapults. And this is, a, this is an Academy member, correct? <laughs> I think so. That's actually Scorsese. That's Scorsese. So that guy is my number two. Jackass being the, the, the benchmark for mainstream film. Uh, yeah. Okay, love it. I did. I did skip my number four. I realized, Ugh, which was what. That's why we are all screwed up. Uh, that if you, if I ask you your favorite movie of the year, and it's a Marvel movie. Oh yeah, I thought about that. Yeah, that's a good just one. just dismiss that person. Just dismiss. Next. All right. So your number one was the Boondock Saints. Chapin. So mine is Fight Club. And I'll tell you why. It's because I, it was. It's been a barometer in in three different decades for me. 
Um, at, in a good or bad, bad well, way. Well, in the first, at, at first, it was a good way. It's like, have you seen Fight Club? Do you like Fight Club? Do you know that it's not the Fight Club, for example? That was a big one because I loved that movie when it first came out, as we all did, and it was, it, it was, uh, it was like you know so exciting. Um, and now I think like it, it unfortunately and probably undeservedly has become a little bit of the Boondock Saints in a way, like for kind of. You know, angry. For bros. But that's Boy, their bros. that's their own. I agree, I agree, but I mean, Lead said that about the the Big Lebowski. Yeah, it's like the Big too, Lebowski, so. yeah. Um, and uh, you know, whereas the Boondock Saints is a movie that absolutely deserves it and should never have gotten a sequel, and that guy deserves every ounce of shit that he's gotten. See overnight for you know more examples. Um, and uh, but I, I I you know I don't think Fight Club deserves it yet, yet, but I do I do think that like it is that movie that like. You know, just makes people. I don't know. Like it, it's just a barometer for people who you know maybe don't see a lot or know a lot about movies. Like it's an e- easy movie to love if you have some twisted ideas, you know, but that aren't very deep. But you don't feel that way about that movie. No, you just no, feel I don't. That way Not about those who respond to it that way. No. Um, all right, so my number one, uh, if you go back about a, almost exactly a year to a podcast we did on this movie, you'll hear me like just go all out in everything I think about the people who like Green Book. Uh, mm. The Green Books of old, the world? Old, well, I wrote Green Book specifically, but old, white, naive people that feel guilty about themselves. Um, that's, that's That said that said green book was a, a good movie there's so many of those people that it managed to make its way all the way to a oscar for best picture yeah i think that movie's more offensive than uh any other a film that actually is offensive on the <laughs> yeah yeah <'Cause> it's... God, <laughs> i'm watching a clip from boondock saints this is such a stupid movie <laughs> glad he's paying attention oh my god Which... this is so dumb the majority of our audience are Boondock Saints. Uh, we should, watchers. we should. Oh, you can watch it for free on IMDb TV. We should just get drunk and do an episode as we watch Boondock Saints. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Um, any honorable mentions, guys? I, I did have one, um, hmm. and it, it's it was sort of it was a little too meta to put on here because it ties into making top five lists, and it was anybody who puts the seventh seal on a top five list. Uh, it was meta because it was, it was about <laughs> our top five. Got it. Making, um, fun of, making fun of Jeremy. Yeah, specifically. It was see, very specific. See, see episode one. Um, one of mine is Princess Bride. Never yeah. seen it. Yeah. But not, I feel like I have, to wa- I have to watch it again to really shit on it. Um, but I, I, it's just a lot of people's like nostalgia pick for their favorite movie yeah, as a favorite young comedy. kid. But I, I never, uh, never got into it. But um, and also, a barometer is if you like the American Office better than the British Office. That's both good. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. But you're, you're, it also tells me. I, I don't think I don't think you're bad if you like the American Office more. No, but you're a, ref- I, you're I, a I refined agree. individual if you like the British version better. Totally. Um, I, I and will then say the group I, of people who think the American one came first. Oh, pathetic. Um, I like. I I was gonna put. I didn't want to be too much of a snob, so I left. There will be blood off mine, but like, I mean, honestly, 
Like if you like that, if you if you don't like if that, you movie, like that movie, I don't know what to say. I don't know what I mean. I don't really like. Do you like movies? Chapin, I like older movies, independent movies, foreign films too. But I don't give a shit what you like slash don't like. I'm European, and I think American independent <laughs> movies right now are way more exciting. Where did you read just this don't comment? Be, just Where don't be this? a dick. This it's is... on Reddit somewhere. Yeah. I, you, I'll, I, I would never be able to direct you there. The, the person that commented after, the person that commented after, I tried to defend Jackass by saying it was a Spike Jones movie. I mean, he is involved as Jackass. I know, but it's not like it's her or. Yeah. <laughs> or some, or being John Malkovich or something. They're also like they're not even like the same art form. Like you know what I mean? They're just it's the <laughs> I know. The poop cannon. Uh, <laughs> the poop catapult stunt is that guy's right. that guy's barometer for great mainstream cinema. Well, I hope with he's that being said. <laughs> it's Brantley. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna wrap it up for this edition of the get your film fix podcast um if you if you have any comments or totally disagree i think we're too snobby or just idiots feedback at get your film fix podcast.com yeah, we'd love we to hear read from it we'd love to hear from you. if 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 the poop catapult <laughs> was your favorite cinematic moment please let us know and let us know why Listen, i love the jackass movies yeah I, I, okay i mean they're funny but I just feel like that Poop's was funny. A, I just feel like that was a str- after that guy's rant. That was a strange movie to pick to prove his point. I agree. I agree. <laughs> you know, guys, I want to say um, I thought the the voice memos from from our fans worked really really nicely during our two part fixie episode. Oh um, yes. So we'd love to keep getting those from you guys. If you guys have any thoughts, um, periodically throughout the year. Please send them in, and you know maybe we'll include them in the show. Maybe we'll do a quick fix just on your question. If you have a profound question you'd like the two, three of us to consider, we'll do a whole episode on it. That'd be pretty incredible. So please, um, please send those in. Feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. Thank you very much. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee. Energy up, up, up. I have, I literally have no notes. Oh my god! Come on, guys. Why are you yelling at me for something he said? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. Hello and That's welcome to. Oh, f- 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 f-